a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. And the problem that God has with that is that he didn't command it or institute it. He, he, he only wants images that he commands and institutes to be made. And when he makes himself, when, when the scripture says that Jesus is the very image of God, then he has made an image of himself for us, Jesus. And if we were to not have pictures of Jesus, then we would be breaking the second commandment. But now all this rests upon this moment and that you must do the right thing in order to reap the benefits of this. If you're going to be forgiven, if you're going to be atoned for, if you're going to get the imputed righteousness of God, you must then do this. And, and this is what's so terrible about what we call decision theology is that it, it takes everything away of the gospel and puts it all back on the law. I mean, this is a stop-the-press sort of thing to see God, you know? Wow! That's amazing! Stop the song! Tell us about that! That's great! Impressing other people's radio shows everywhere, this is Table Talk Radio. Is that because we're wrecking the curve, you know? Yeah, yeah. We, we're Everyone we else down the standard. You, they listen to, like, the uh, Pork Belly Report, and they're like, well, better than Table Talk. <laughs> Pork belly's up 50 cents today. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you are, the you are offending the ag the, report. You are offending the ag report guy. Well, no. I Just wait, ag report guy. Wait for 48 minutes and <laughs> you'll love us. You'll be thankful. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I don't know what's wrong with us, but apparently last week wasn't enough. Last week's. Uh, marathon of praise song crunching that you're back for more punishment. Is this that Stockholm this syndrome? Is, yeah, but th- look, it was a marathon, but it was so we we run so slow that we didn't <laughs> we only got like thirty feet into the marathon. It's it's like you show up for the marathon and make it halfway through, like I'll tackle it next Saturday. That's right, that's right. It's going to quits. <laughs> put in my eight hours. I'm going home. Now that's what we do. We put in our forty eight minutes and then we go home. But there was more crunching to be done, so we're going to try to. I don't know, finish up. We're going to hit another praise song. Yeah, picking up where we left off. Everybody's favorite. This is introducing a new category of praise song. My goodness. (laughs) If the God-girlfriend song wasn't enough, you know, the question, could you sing this song to your girlfriend and also to your God? This is, would you be embarrassed to sing this song to your girlfriend? (laughs) (laughs) If so, no problem singing it to God. (laughs) It's just over the top. All right. Well, that's oh. that's something to look forward to, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and then we got some emails. Yeah. Well, yeah. And uh, I mean, it's a fresh show, so fresh buzzwords. So that's exciting. Go ahead, Pastor. My buzzword for you is guilt. Now, I would like to make this distinction when we speak of guilt. We have guilt is the result of breaking God's law. Now, normally we think of guilt as the bad feeling that we get when we break the law. That would we could call that subjective guilt. But there, before there is subjective guilt, there is objective guilt. That is, we actually are guilty, even before we know it, of transgressing the Lord's law and commandments. So you have an objective guilt and a subjective guilt. And the, the gospel uh, assaults both of those. Now, what's, there's interesting stuff here. But, so that we want our subjective guilt to match with objective guilt. In other words, when, you're, when you feel guilty about stuff that you shouldn't or when you don't feel guilty about stuff that you should, then you got a conscience problem, you know? Uh, so we want to work on that. But but the cross of Christ, his blood washes away guilt, both objective and subjective, uh, which is good. 
Yeah. Uh, my theological buzz phrase for you is Latin. Um, so brought to you by the ling- the Latin language today. Um, in Carvatis, oh, in sponsored by a Latin. Yeah, yeah, we're sponsored by the language Latin. <laughs> Uh, in, Too bad neither of us can pronounce it. Yeah, I don't even know how to pronounce it. But incurvatus in se is that how you say it? In se something like that. In se incurvatus se or in se curvatus. I think it can go either way. Do you know where Luther talks about that? Uh, I do. It's in uh, volume twenty-five, page two ninety-one. That was uh, a funny uh, coincidence. I sent I sent Pastor Wolf there a text message yesterday. He says, "Hey, where does Luther talk about incurvatus?" He goes, "I don't know. I can't remember." And then uh, I was uh, reading his book accidentally um, in preparation for the other uh, popular radio show we do and, um, and came across this quote. So anyway, this is what Luther says. Uh, says, the reason uh, is that our nature has been so deeply curved in upon itself because it is um, because of the viciousness of, the, of original sin that is not only turns the finest gifts of God in upon itself, and enjoys them, as is evident in the case of legalists and hypocrites. Indeed, it even uses God himself to achieve those aims. Um, uh, but it also seems to be ignorant of this very fact, that in acting so inquisitously, so perversely, and, and in such a deprived way, it is even seeking God for its own sake. Thus, the prophet Jeremiah says in 17.9, The heart is perverse above all things, and desperately corrupt. Who can understand it? That is, it is so curved in on itself that no man, no matter how holy, if a testing is kept from him, can understand it. So, that's uh, Luther's commentary on the Romans, huh? Yeah. Yeah. See, I think that what's interesting in Romans is you see Luther working towards being Lutheran. I mean, in that commentary, it's early, so but he's got some great stuff in there. But you gotta you gotta be a little bit careful. But I think he picks that up that in say curvatus or in curvatus say from the fathers. So you see Luther. Uh, absorbing the theology of, of the fathers, wrestling with the theology of the scholastics, uh, art, articulating it around the scripture. But this idea of the insay curvatus, you know, that, is that sin, one of the effects of sin is that it makes you self-focused rather than able to look up and see others and so forth. All right. All right, well, let's let's hit the emails. Um, did you have one you want to hit before the praise song one or, or hit this one first? Why not? Uh, this says, my wife and I are fairly long-time listeners. This is from Dave in Wa. What's Wa? Uh, that must be some Hawaiian island. Wa. <laughs> is, it, is it maybe um, the state of Washington, maybe? No, no, because if it was an abbreviation, it would have a, a period at the end of the W-A. I, I see it. Look, I'm... Did you go to fifth grade? <laughs> anyway. in, that, in that process... I have reached a certain pinnacle of mediocrity, which is to say, I have to say, thank you. Question. In the context of evangelism, when folks implore, quote, we need to be more faithful to the gospel, end quote, what does this mean? I'm afraid I react, what you talking about, Willis? Does this gospel they are talking about include truth or exclude truth? To which they say, of course truth is important. But then I wait for the but, which I think means they won't believe us until we're loving. I know they mean, quote, let's be more faithful in doing stuff that will bring converts in. But typically, typically it then shifts into building some big, long series of conversations about planning to plan how we can transform ourselves from being so introverted and comfortable 
to extroverted and uncomfortable. You you know what he's talking about? So oh, yeah. you got to get out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. That's a, I mean, we well we should say look at I I think <laughs> we <laughs> this is really great. Every time one of these church growth evangelism gurus says you got to get out of your comfort zone, you should just stand up and leave. <laughs> Because their whole thing is to make people comfortable in church. All right, anyway. <laughs> um, we should say here uh, that there's a, a narrow sense and a wide sense of the word gospel. Just, just, to, just to be clear, so that um, sometimes the scriptures will talk about gospel, and it means about the whole, the wholeness of God's revealed truth, you know, including law and gospel. And then uh, sometimes we mean gospel in the narrow sense, so that uh, gospel is not in any way the commands or demands of God. Uh, anything that's expected of us, but gospel is only and simply the uh, work of God in Christ for us, uh, giving to us, uh, granting salvation, forgiveness. So we want to we want to make sure that there is a distinction that that there we could possibly talk about you know faithfulness of the gospel um, even in talking about the manner we conduct our lives. However, I think the point of the emailer is is well taken that um, we oftentimes take this to be. Uh, turning the the gospel in the narrow sense into a law, which destroys both altogether. That's coming up. He says, uh, he says, let's face it, Christianity is a turnoff, but also it isn't. The truth really gets in the way of my way of thinking how it should be. Is this really what I mostly seem to find myself confessing to others? Are they not seeing this? I think a bit more mediocre help is in order. Can you develop a plan to help me? Uh, here's the here's really what I'm getting at. This quote: We need to be more loving and accepting. Thanks. Dave in Wa, the Hawaiian island. Wa. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So the idea is, you know, we have to um, that we that there's this work of pre-evangelism, which is the work of building relationships and all this sort of stuff. Um, and, you know, there's some good and some bad there, which I think we can talk about. Uh, OK, let's do that. <laughs> well, I think that um, the, what happens oftentimes is that uh, people I mean, so, yeah, throughout the the lives that we live and our vocations, we encounter people, and those interactions will inevitably be called relationships, right? And so this is these are the people that God has placed in our lives, and He also opens opportunities for us to um, to to speak God's word into a situation. I've been going to this guy in town. Um, that's actually where I go to have my uh, certificates printed. You know the certificates that I got from. Oh, you. do I ever? WolfsonCreative.com. <laughs> Enter promo code TTR for no disc. I actually don't think we have a promo code slot there. So, yeah. Anyway, um, anyway. <laughs> he uh, he said, "Oh yeah, I'm going into surgery tomorrow." And so we were talking about you know death and what happens after you die. And and I wasn't like, I need I need to buy my certificates there because hopefully we'll be able to have a conversation about God someday. I was just going there to get my certificates. I mean, that's right. The problem is that when you see the relationship as a tool for evangelism, it's no longer just a person that you love and care about. So we take a break. I want to get your reaction on the other side. Hey, that's my buddy Lucas Graham, my old friend. Ah, This guy, the singer. Oh, buddy of mine. I'll tell you all about it. Table Talk Radio. It's like spinach. We know you don't want to, but it's good for you. Hey, daily devotions for your family. Around the Word is found at whatdoesthismean.org.
Welcome back. Oops. Welcome back to Table Talk Thank Radio. You. Getting my good to be back. I'm having a hard time over here today. I know it. I'm getting get, I, I, I'm getting it figured out though. Sorry about the levels. Trying to get it fixed up. But uh, before the break, we were talking about um, this uh, matter of uh, of uh, what relationship building for the sake of evangelism. What do you think about that, Pastor? Yes, this is a this is it's one of the central tenets of evangelicalism. Is the only good work is evangelism, and and not only is that wrong, but it's also kind of annoying. <laughs> so with being an evangelical, you're told constantly, basically, the only good work you can do is bring more people to church. But mm-hmm. the problem is that's an irksome responsibility. <laughs> so then you've got to theologically work your way out of that. And I think the best way is to say what we really mean is make friends. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> that sounds better. But remember, you're only making friends for the purpose of bringing them to church and making them Christians. Right, yeah. You don't and have, then, you're not supposed to actually <laughs> care about them or love them or anything. Yeah, then it's, it's, so then, then what happened? I remember, uh, remember we listened to Jeff Boyle talking about this, how, you know, who are you going to, this campus crusade, who are you going to disciple? And he realized that there was a checklist of how you go and find friends to, to bring them into the program and stuff like this. So it's all, and then, so then what happens is, because you're making friends for the purpose of doing the good work of evangelism, you're not really actually just making friends. So then um, it, it's it's kind of a lie. So then you got to come up and say, the main thing, though, is authenticity. <laughs> well, you know, the, the reason why you have to talk about authenticity is because you weren't being authentic in the first place. And the best way to ensure never being authentic is to talk about being authentic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I remember someone... Uh, Someone in one of the classes I was in at seminary told a story that when uh, one day someone uh, brought them to church, invited them to come, hey, would you like to come to church with me? And he's like, really? You know, kind of honored and, and somewhat touched that this person would, would say, hey, you know, come to church with me. So we went to church with them. is all excited. And then he found out that it was like bring a friend to church day. And he felt just like I was your quota. You know, I, I, I you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Kind of cheap. So as the- soon as... I didn't realize that you, the, here's the weird thing is that people are talking about this. Now, look, do we here's a, a thing to think about. Too. Should should we be real people that live in a real world? Answer. Yes. And probably if you have to be told to be a real person and live in a real world and interact with real people, you know, and be friendly to the person that you meet at the grocery store or whatever, you probably you got you shouldn't have to be told that sort of thing. But if you need to be told it, then. Be told you should be a real person. You should, in fact, be a friend to people. You should be kind. And, in fact, you should even love people. And as part of that love, would your love for them be also a concern for their eternal salvation so that you would want to pray for them, bless them, look for opportunity to speak the gospel to them uh, as these things occur? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And even that we pray for opportunities to speak of the Lord's kindness and bear the Lord's name before our neighbors. Um, That's that's good. But as soon as you, you know, this whole becomes some whole big program, you know, a relationship evangelism program or, you know, and you're going to a class about how to, how to, how you should, you should go to the same gas station every day because it helps you develop relationships with the cashier. You and do that stuff. too. I mean, my goodness, what, why don't we just study the Bible and let this, and let the being, let the being figuring out how to be a normal person sort out itself, you know? Yeah, I was, I mean, it, I was thinking about this the other day, and it says something about a person's ecclesiology to to think of it in this way. I mean, um, I was thinking about uh, if I if I owned a restaurant and you know numbers are good, customers are coming in, everybody loves loves the food, uh, and then at some point a year later, numbers are starting to tank. 
I got to figure out what am I doing wrong? And I got to fix the thing that I'm doing wrong because I need to, you know, customers aren't coming in the door. So fix it. Um, but I can do that because I own the restaurant, you know. But if if uh, if you're the 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 uh, the bus boy at that restaurant and you're there simply to clear tables and you notice that there's people that aren't coming in, it's not your job to start changing aspects of the restaurant because it's not your restaurant. So the question is, is whose church is it? <laughs> I mean, if, if it's right. if it's our church, then we better get busy and start doing all these things because it's up to us to, quote, grow the church. But if it's right. the Lord's church, he's the one who gets to call the shots, and he's in the one, he's in control of, of bringing people into his church. Yep. Well, let's get to some other emails, shall we? Did, did, we, oh. uh, did we fully address Dan in Hawaii? <laughs> I hope so. Otherwise known as Washington. Wah. Wah. Uh, here's one from Emily in Portland. Hey, Portland's like in the same state as me. Uh, or it's from Or. I wonder what that. That sounds like another Hawaiian island. Or the benefit of knowing evangelicals is every so often I come across a song that is a good candidate for crunching. This song is no exception. She sends the link. Uh, I'm not sure what the title of the song is, but I think. Um, uh, let's see, but I think includes the word touch. <laughs> the video puts the title in small fuzzy letters. Okay. So she says happy crunching. So we're going to do some more crunching here, right? This song is called, it's actually the title doesn't include the word crunch. Does it? The title is we did some deep research here. Yeah. <laughs> it's called make you move. And this and is the original uh, artist is John Mark McMillan, but we're going to hear it sung by who? Uh, the worship team at Bethel Church in Redding, California, also not too far away from me. Um, now, uh, I we had a little bit, little bit of an inner co-host dispute about whether to air this or not because I think the production quality is miserable. But Pastor Wolfmother, he was taken away by this. He oh was, yeah, he I was, was swept moved. up in the ten minutes and thirty-two seconds of this <laughs> epic praise thing so uh with the, the guy on the on the stage painting a picture <laughs> you know we need to get that our friend chris rosebrah in here Bruh. to teach us about this because he's all hey, over uh, this uh church in reading and uh, i had him on my local show talking about the three most dangerous pastors and he put what do you think table talk is just like a platform to produce tell about all the other stuff you do i'm offended <laughs> i'm so offended yeah, yeah you can see why <laughs> Um, <laughs> Roseboro, on your other show, talking about this guy being the most dangerous pastor yeah, I, I in wanted, the world. I want him to list the three most dangerous pastors, and he put the pastor at Bethel uh, number one. So anyway, here's the worship team singing the song, Make You Move. What have we ever really worried about production quality? You haven't, have you? little bit below her range. Yeah, she's in the basement. But that's not our purpose here. We are not crunching the artistic
wearing shoes when she's up there singing. All right, that's the song. Um, well, I'm just now getting into it. I know. We had another seven and a half minutes to go. <laughs> well, I just want to touch you. I just want to make you move. I can't get over you, capital U. I wonder why in the video that one U there is capitalized and none of the other U's are. The well, way you slide. Oh, no, they are. Oh, they changed. Yeah. Okay. The way you slide into the room. They got like a boom camera that, that shows like the congregation from above. Or, Don't you or like guys a, have the boom camera at Hope Lutheran Church yet? It could be a boom camera or it could be a drone. A drone. <laughs> I would save up for the drone myself. <laughs> <laughs> we have this huge fan that we installed last summer. The drone killer. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I I can Look see twelve thousand nine hundred and fifteen views of this thing. While you're standing up there in the pulpit, I can see Pastor Flammy sitting there in the chancel chair. <laughs> A drone might give Pastor Flammy flashbacks from yeah, Iraq. Be careful. All right, so now um, uh, let's see. So is what Jesus mentioned in this song? Let's read some of the lyrics, shall okay. we? All right. Uh, would you save me for a song if the music was where we'd meet? Oh, that's just so praise songy. <laughs> Would you save another dance for me? Which doesn't make sense. Would you save my soul for the chance that I could know you now? That is gibberish. <laughs> then, my favorite part, I just want to touch you. I just want to make you move. It's oh, embarrassing. <laughs> I can't get over you the way you slide into the room. I don't know who the heck that's talking about. I suppose the Holy Spirit. Would you save? Would you save me for a song, if I didn't have to? If I didn't have the words to say, would you listen to me anyway? What the heck? Would you help me out for the chance that I could know you now? You got any idea what that means? Mm -mm. I would bury my pride in the ground if I'm running. Then I don't know how I'm ever going to get back home. I think what this. What the heck is that saying? I think this is the perfect <laughs> praise song. <laughs> this is really. This, this, oh, this is the, the praise song of praise songs. The song that we've all been waiting for is this one right here. This is just, so, this is just in every way absurd. Yes. I mean, I, oh, all right, I don't even so know where to start. I'm gonna, I'm I guess gonna, we start with the first question. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take a break, and we'll, I'll give you this break to kind of collect your thoughts. And then after this break, <laughs> Pastor Wolfman will explain what's so terrible about this. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. We'll be right back. Table Talk Radio. It's incredible how well our good looks translate to radio. I save all the good stuff for grappling with the text, a little video Bible study that you can find at worldvieweverlasting.com. Analyzing praise songs everywhere. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Thoughtfully, carefully, dispassionately. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So 
speaking to someone who's never heard the praise song country before, Pastor, what's wrong? Who could that possibly be? (laughs) I cannot imagine that imaginary scenario that you put me into. What's wrong with this song? Imagine uh, someone lands from Mars and says, what's this praise song cruncher everyone on Earth is talking about? Well, <laughs> that is a tool that we have uh, that we have developed for trying to wrangle in the greased pig of the praise song, trying to get our hands around this particularly slippery problem of mysticism. It, it would and have to be someone from another dimension, though, right? It, it couldn't be someone right. from this planet. <laughs> no, no. Praise song? Oh, yeah, praise song. We should crunch it. That's what happens uh, all it's around like here in the apple world. apple pie, praise song, sliced bread, you know, or praise song cruncher, I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, praise song cruncher, as American as apple pie. Now, the, we have five diagnostic questions, none of them which are true or false questions. Like uh, It's not like, hey, if you don't pass this question, you're out or something like this. They're just five questions to help you, to give you a mental construct to examine the thing of the praise song. So the first is Jesus mentioned. Two, is it mystical in form? Three, is it mystical in content? Four, is there any law and gospel? Five, is there other false doctrine? Now, note most of the time when we look at a song, this is why this whole thing was born, is because we look at a song and say, is there false doctrine? Well, no, then we should sing it. The problem with the praise song is that it's not that there's necessarily false doctrine. It's just that there's no doctrine. It's just vague and unclear. And so you can't say it's, you can't say it's wrong, but you also can't say it's right. There's, it's just, like for example, is there false doctrine in this? Would you save me for a song if I have the words to say? Is that wrong? Well, no, but is it right? No, because it's nothing. It's just words that don't actually have any coherent meaning at all. And then when we realize that, that the praise song and its, and its, um, words that are completely meaningless then you realize that something else is going on in the praise song and that is that the praise song itself is a sacrament for the praise songers in other words it is the way that the lord comes and makes himself present to give out his gifts so it says here in the beginning of this thing would you save me for a song if the music was where we'd meet and that's the basic theology of the praise song that god meets us in the music the music itself now we often don't talk about the the style the genre of the praise song but it is very important because the the um frenzy that the music works you up into is key to this whole thing i mean there's a reason why this song goes on for 10 10 minutes mm. That's a lot of minutes, and it just keeps going, and it gets worse, and it gets faster and faster and more and more intense and more and more repetitive, and the people are waving their hands more and more and more, and all the band is all taking off their shoes, and because that's how, that's how you know the Holy Spirit is present. That is the, that is the sacramental uh, theology of the praise song. We even hear it when they quote the Psalm 22, you, the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. And so it's the idea is that if you praise the Lord, now you, you, your praising of the Lord makes a conduit for the Holy Spirit to apparently, how did the song say it? To, to slide into the room. And you have the experience of the internal, uh, 
internal unity with God. You have the experience of the presence of God. You have you you're you're touched and moved and 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 taken up and swept away and absorbed and all of this sort of stuff. I, and that is the goal of the praise song. I can see maybe the purpose now of the first question of the cruncher because it seems like if if I'm a if I'm a praise songwriter and the goal that I'm going towards is creating an experience, an emotional experience for the hearer of my praise song or the experiencer of my praise song, <laughs> um, then it's not altogether important that that is something exclusive of Jesus. I mean, in fact, Jesus is sort of uh, an obstacle to that because Jesus is is uh, is kind of incarnational. I mean, he's a flesh and blood person. So what I want really is to get the flesh and blood out of the way so that I can have a more direct experience with the divine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It is uh, so that when you get Jesus in the praise song, it's often disconnected from the history of the things that Jesus did in his body. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's it's Jesus' power, Jesus' glory, Jesus' intimacy, Jesus, you know, to, this is the God-girlfriend sort of stuff. It's about the relationship. Everything is about this relationship. <sighs> okay, well, let's go to the next question then, which I think, without looking, is mystical form. Yes, is it repetitive? And the answer is, if you're singing a song for 10 minutes, it's repetitive. <laughs> My goodness. I don't even think, you know, people complain about, oh, this song is so long, it has 47 stanzas. You know, that's how people are at Hope. How can we start at the church singing the song, and an hour later we're like halfway through it? But that's nothing compared to the praise so, song. So you're at singing something our... like, uh, you know, salvation to us has come with all like ten stanzas. Ten like, stanzas, but the, at least each stanza is different, you know. We're just going to sing the first stanza of salvation unto us has come ten times. My goodness. In fact, just the first <laughs> line, <laughs> 20 times. Yeah. And this is, uh, yeah, salvation unto us has come. Salvation unto <laughs> us has come. Salvation unto us is come. Salvation unto Salvation. Salvation. That's how it would be. That's a praise song in, song in it. Now, not only, though, is this thing fantastically repetitive, it is also mystical in form in the sense that the words don't make any sense. Mm -hmm. So, for example, would the writer of this song named John Mark McMillan or the singer of this song, whoever, Tell me exactly what you intend to communicate by this word, by this phrase. I just want to touch you. Could you tell me what you mean by that? Uh, even, it's gotta, even more provoking is the next something. line, I just want to make you move. Yeah. Like, it's, it's as if uh, God is sitting on our favorite spot on the couch <laughs> and, hey, move over. I, you know, I could make our kids move. You know how we, this is the trick at home is that is if the kids are not at the table when we're saying the prayer, then they have to help with the dishes. So it doesn't matter what they're doing. I just sit down at the table when Carrie puts the food there. And I say, the eyes of all look to you, O Lord. And they are there by the time you, and you give them their food at the, I just, they, that makes them move. So. I don't, no, I don't think that the moving here would be a physical moving. This is all, you know, spiritual language. So for the mystic, how, how do we touch the Lord? This, this is like, so, so do you mean actually physically touch God, like with your finger or something? Or 
something. Like, I mean, I think of like Thomas. What do you? Yeah, putting your finger in the side of Jesus or something like this. That's not obviously not what it's talking about. It's not so to touch the Lord. Now, this does this mean to do something touching? Like, oh, how touching! You did something for me. You sang a nice song to me, and I'm touched. Something like that. I would say that really what this is going for is this mystical experience, which is hard to identify, of the experience of the connection of God. I want. I just want to. I just want my soul to reach out to your divinity and to be joined together. Bloop. Like that. Bloop. That's what it sounds like. Bloop. Bloop. <laughs> and then, and then when that happens, when I reach out to God with my soul hand and to t- grab a hold of His invisible soul hand. He's moved by it, like the like the dad who is walking along, and the baby reaches up his hand to hold his, the dad's hand. Oh, I'm moved by that. But it doesn't say I just want to move you, but I I want to make you move. So it's so that now God, because He is, because He is so touched by our touching Him, that He's now going to come and sneak into the room, and stir us up into this spiritual ecstasy. I don't know. That's my best thing. But then what about this? Would you save me for a song if I didn't have the words to say? Would you listen to me anyway? Or this, I would bury my pride in the ground if I'm running, then I don't know how I'm ever going to get back home. What the heck does that mean? (laughs) It's completely nonsense. I mean, there's no way to, to actually say that those words communicate something. At least that I can tell, and I've been reading for a couple of years now. You know, <laughs> so so mystical form is this is the use sentences is are is the meaning of the thing discernible? Are there assertions that can be judged as true or false? And the answer is no. Now now again, the kind of traditional criteria say, well, is there anything? Is there any false doctrine in the song? Well, we're going to identify the false doctrine as mysticism, but that's a little bit subtle. We say, well, the, no, it doesn't deny the Trinity. It doesn't deny grace alone. It doesn't deny these things. Well, does that mean you could use it? Answer, no, because there's not, just because there's not something wrong in there doesn't mean the thing is going to be in any way helpful for anything. So uh, is is this song um, even more mystical than the typical praise song because of that abstraction? So, I mean, you have you have words that make up a subject and an object, I suppose, but the... The, the sentence is actually complete nonsense. It doesn't communicate anything. Yeah, I think so. You know, so you use the structure of a sentence to communicate nothing rather than using a phrase which can't. So here you, yeah. it's in the possibility of communication, but fails to meet its. Yeah. You know, All right. Well, one more segment of Table Talk Radio after this. What? More praise song crunching. Don't go away. This is Todd Wilkin, host of Issues Etc. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Sorry. I'm reading Luther's sermons from the House Postal every week. You can find it at www.hope-aurora.org. Click on the Luther Sermon Podcast. (laughs) 
Like the best stuff I've ever said. Hey, Pastor Wilson there. We're recording now. I can't believe you missed all that. It was anti-mystic gold. I was like, you're you're being awfully profound for just talking to me. We ought to probably start recording. We're not recording. I know. <laughs> during the break, I'm like this. Hey, Evan, how's it, how's it going? And then during the show, it's this. The professional radio voice. Hello, all you out there in radio land. Hating on the mystics. Talking about the reason why this stuff matters, because Evan was watching the video, which is why I thought we were recording, uh, about how the Holy Spirit comes more profoundly underneath the boom camera. You know, like when you go to the sports games and everyone's sitting bored in the crowd, except for like the 20 people in front of the camera that are like yeah, ripping right. their shirt off. It. <laughs> now... The, but the problem is, all how would the people talk about this thing? Oh, we went to church, and oh man, God was there. He was just so there. Oh, how'd you know? What were you know? How do you know? Oh, I knew it. I could feel it. The Holy Spirit was moving so profoundly. Oh, how do you know? You could. Oh, you could feel it in the room. It was electric. You could, just the glory of God and the anointing of the Spirit and the, oh, oh. And this is the thing <laughs> that. Why we talk about the praise song as the as the anti-sacrament, because this, the, one of the blessings of the sacraments is the comfort of confidence. We know when I talk to someone, hey, I, I think I'm going to go to hell, they say, because I don't think I'm really a true Christian. And I say I can say to them, hey, did Jesus put his name on you when you were baptized? Did you eat the body and blood of Jesus when he promised to forgive you your sins a couple of minutes ago? Yeah, well, so you're a Christian. It's it's this confidence that the lord has done something outside of me that is true now if you don't have that now you're looking for confidence in all these other places and the confidence of the mystic comes from the mystical experience which is deadly just it's absolutely deadly now when we look at the song and we say these lyrics are absolute nonsense they don't make they're you're not actually saying anything it's just stupidity it's a special kind of stupid i would bury my pride in the ground if i'm running i don't know how i'm ever going to get back home what that doesn't make, there's no way that those words make any sense any time. And to take those words and put them in the mouths of the Lord's people, priests and kings on the on the earth is who the Christians are. And you put that nonsense into their mouth so that you can induce with the music behind it this mystical experience and give them the confidence that God loves them because they had an experience. You are just opening, you're throwing open the doors of the conscience to the work of the devil. Who can come in and make it his playground? Oh, you feel close to God. Well, how do you now? You feel far from Him, huh? Yeah, yeah. You think you're going to be a you, the, you're going to be by your praises the temple of the Holy Spirit? Well, look at all these sins that you've done. You've defiled the temple. The Lord is going to come in and destroy it. You're just you're just you're you're setting people up for for despair. And 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 if you don't have despair, the only other option is pride. You know? Oh yeah. Look at how holy I am, and I'm, uh, look at how how close I am to God, and look at how swept I am. By the by, the spirit because I'm a great mystic. It is just it's 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 dangerous to people. I mean, Evan and I are not here crunching the praise songs because we like to, although we do like to, or because we <laughs> want to be jerks, which we probably are jerks. That that's not the thing. That, that, that this is dangerous theology. It's dangerous practice. It's it's dan- it's it's dangerous for Christians. It's dangerous for non Christians. It's not what the Lord wants for His people. It's dangerous and, for and, dogs. <laughs> that's right. Get your dog. This is on the list of songs to not play for your dog when it's in the room. <laughs> now we were talking oh. about the, this uh, song almost breaking new ground, in that normally uh, a song talks about you know being uh, touched by God, that you're the you're the 
receiver of this touching. You're, you're the touchy. But this song says, yeah. I want to touch you, and I want to make you move. So it kind of puts the singer as the as the, the toucher. Uh, what's going yeah, on? Yeah, it's just a little... It's a slight reverse on the normal mystic thing. I mean, normally the mystic is pleased to take a passive seat, but now this is active. So, hey, did God touch you at church this morning? No, no, no. I touched him. <laughs> Were you moved by God? No, 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 no. I moved him. What? So I, I, I think that the, this song is really the worst. The clearest <gasps> line in this entire song is this. Would you help me out for the chance that I could know you now? Now that that at least has clarity, right? I mean, we we have some idea of what that's talking about, but yet still, um, someone who does not know the Lord uh, would likely not be saying, "Could you help me out?" <laughs> I mean, if 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 you right. have if you have the if you... the spiritual wherewithal to ask the Lord for help, then you probably already know Him. Yeah, but you see, this no is the mystic no, the Gnostic no. It's not like, oh, hey, Jesus, nice to meet you. It's it's the it's the Adam and Eve kind of no, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's you got to be touched on the inside. I know the Lord, but now I got to know the Lord. It's the same thing. Oh, you're a Christian, but are you born again? This is so. This is what the Gnostic does. Hey, do you know Jesus? Yeah, I, I know Jesus, but do you know Jesus? Uh Yes. Nope, you don't. <laughs> Obviously not, because you haven't been to the praise song experience. You haven't become the mystic. You haven't had this this, uh, this profound inner sensation of the unity of the divine with my soul and my secret divine capacity to touch God's soul part. You know, that's the knowing that's happening here. Oh, this, the, this is the not, you see, the, not, the secret knowledge that mm-hmm. belongs to the initiate and is experienced in the ecstatic experience. And and, and and is brought about by the guru who leads you in, in that ecstasy. Oh. You just need so to that, bury your pride in the ground. Uh, if I'm running, I don't know how. <laughs> we, we could try and make a dialogue with these lines. <laughs> don't you start saying you want to touch yeah. me, man. <laughs> I can't get over the way you slide into the room, Evan. That's that's another thing you were saying during the break, that we usually ask the question, uh, is this song singable to your girlfriend? Would would that work with this song? No, this is the kind of song, if you sing to your girlfriend, she calls social services. (laughs) If you could get, like, arrested for molestation by quoting the song lyrics to your girlfriend, then this this is a whole new category. Beyond God and girlfriend, it's like God and stalker. It's just ridiculous. I can't. It's just it's it's just a shame that the thing who I, look and you know what I'm looking at now. I just am noticing. Look at how many question marks there are on this thing. That's the point of the mystic is everything is questionable. Nothing is certain. If I didn't have the words to say, would you listen to any question mark? The chance I could know you now? Question mark. Uh, d- w- would you save another dance for me? What the heck? That is stupid. Would you save another dance for me? But you see, that's the mystic dance. I'm here. I'm singing. I'm waving. I'm dancing with the Holy Spirit. And we're not even stepping on each other's toes because we're so in sync. (laughs) This is... Especially when that boom camera flies overhead. Then you're really... (laughs) I go from doing the swing to the boogie. I remember remember they were... When I was in uh, college, they were making like a promotional video for the college. And um, they were showing us the outtakes. uh, And... They had to cut several scenes from Chapel 
because uh, people were yawning <laughs> during the the singing. So you know, there's one guy you know getting his Holy Spirit dance on, and the guy next to him is yawning, and they didn't think that worked out very well for a promotional video to the college. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That guy obviously is not a mystic he antenna. He didn't see the Holy Spirit boom camera coming. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He thought like table talk was on. Uh, man. Would you save another dance for me? Would you save my soul for the? Hey, uh, would you say we want to start two lines, three lines with "Would you save"? So there are. Would you save me for a song? Would you save another dance? Would you save my soul? That is just. Hmm. just oh yeah, and you know how the just the just is all we talked about how the mm-hmm. how the uh, prayers even has a just just like this. I just want to touch you. I just want to make you move. Well, say, hey, wait, I thought you just wanted to touch me. You want to make me <laughs> yeah. move, too? This, you kind of made touching exclusive when well, you, you said you, just. just the, yeah, I know. <laughs> sola, sola toucho. But now it's, no, you want to make me move, too? Well, make up your mind. But the, uh, that's not what just means. Just means that this is holy language talking to God. Just, you know what just is? Just is like the, the ancient verb endings from the King James for the evangelical. You put a just in there and a father God, and now all of a sudden it's some sort of holyish language. <laughs> I just want to be blessed. What the? This whole thing is a just a. It's like just a. <laughs> it's like someone put all the most mystical stuff into a garbage disposal. Came with this song. It's where it belongs. This is ridiculous. Um. Any other false doctrine not previously addressed? <laughs> How about the law gospel question? What oh, yeah, would you say gospel. that what would you say that this song presents to us as our problem? Uh distance from God. Or ah, yeah, or yeah, yeah. or um uh material being, one of the two. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> our created existence. <laughs> How very gnostic of you. Gnostic. <laughs> Would you save another dance for me? I think the problem is that you're, we're worried that God might have not saved another dance. Do you see? There's a problem. There's a worry in this song. And the worry is, look, the worry is I'm in a relationship with God, but I'm pretty sure that he's become disinterested in me. And so now what I'm going to do is I'm going to win back his affection by singing this song and really getting into it. So this this song becomes a way to uh, reinvigorate the Lord's love for me. See, mm. uh, you, I, I can't, I, I can't forget about you, but I'm worried you might have forgotten about me. Uh, could, could, would you, would you save me? The chance I could know you. So I'm going to touch you to reinvigorate your love, and that is an abomination. I think it's crunch. Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. <laughs> I don't even know what. what you can't think of a points joke on this game? Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio about, is not for everyone. Where the points Please are like consult the your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, <laughs> headache, heartburn, air loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences. <laughs> demonic imagery, psychosis. Where the points are like how happy this song makes Jesus when you sing Eternal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the capitalists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. More information is at tabletalkradio.org.